I'm going to call the meeting to order. Uh, this is the February 6th meeting of the Climate Action Commission. And I'll go ahead and take roll call. Ian Lynch here. Frazier. Present. Fitzsimmons. Here. Dan Curris. Gade. Here. Grimm. Here. Krieger. Here. Leckban. Here. Silman. Here. And Sturdivant. Here. Wow. So many of us. <laughs> and there's no members of the public. Uh, any other staff want to identify themselves? Gardner, present. Bissell, present. Hill, present. Okay, we'll go ahead and get approval of the minutes. Um, we're going to approve the minutes from the January 9th meeting, which were included in today's packet. Are there any corrections needed? All right. Then is there a motion to approve the minutes from the January 9th meeting? Gade, motion to approve. Second. <coughs> Grim. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. The motion passes. This would now be the time for public comment, but seeing as there's nobody from the public, I will move on to announcements. All right, so the first item under announcements is action items from the last meeting. In the last meeting, we identified um, some staff members that would like to come and uh, to a future meeting and provide some updates on their programs, one of whom was Jane Wilch to provide updates on the Beyond Plastics IC initiative and then also to invite planning staff to talk about ongoing efforts there related to the climate action uh, plan. I've reached out to both, and they are happy to come and speak to us, though neither were available for this particular meeting. Um, but in the course of reaching out to them, we also learned that the planning staff will be beginning to revise our comprehensive plan for the city this year. So it's a nice opportunity to um, hear from them about that project and maybe offer some climate-related suggestions for consideration. So they said they could probably come in the summer. Um, Jane Wilch will probably see in late spring, early summer as well. So we'll keep you posted as we roll out agendas as to when they can come. Sarah, can I ask about the... Um, the comprehensive plan timeline, like I assume if they come in the summer, that will still be like well within their... Oh, yes. Okay. It's, a, it's a lengthy project um, to update a comprehensive plan, so we'll have plenty of time to ask them about it. All right, the next two items. The first one will be familiar from uh, last month, but we just wanted to uh, reiterate the invitation for anyone who'd like to participate in the Accelerating Black Leadership and Sustainability webinar. That's going to be held later this week. Um, there was a flyer for this included in your information packet. Um, we did get a request from some commission members wanting to know, you know, who could attend, you know, who was the intended audience, and the intended audience is all of Iowa City, so anybody can attend and is welcome to do so. Um, Megan, did you, you're going to be hosting that event. Do you have any further updates or details to offer on it? Not, not really, other than 
what I said last time, and I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion between Camille and uh, Arthur. So I would encourage you to register. Um, and then the other item we've got listed here is a ways off. It's not until late April, but the Native Plant Symposium is being put together by our Parks and Rec staff, um, and we're collaborating a bit on it. Uh, we wanted to put it in this packet because registration for that is filling up, so anybody who has an interest in it um, is encouraged to sign up sooner rather than later. And there was a flyer in your packet highlighting that as well. So that should be very good. We're bringing in actually, I think, um, a nationally known speaker as the keynote speaker for it, so fun stuff. And then we have working group updates. The Resilience Hub Prioritization Group uh, continues to meet um, and does just great work. I want to give a particular uh, th um, recognition to Matt Walter, who mapped some of the um, potential sites we were looking at for Resilience Hubs, which led to a really productive discussion about walkability and reasonable coverage in the city. Um, and then if anybody else from that working group has any updates to share, we want to create a little time now to do so. Well, I'll just say where we're at in that process. We've had um, a good discussion, ongoing discussion about um, dif different models for resilience hubs. We've been looking at models in other cities. Uh, we've talked about who potential partners might be in the community um, and have done some work to think about who might be able to function as a full resilience hub and who might be a good resilience partner um, due to limited capacity in one area or another. Um, and then we'll be shifting our discussion to find, to thinking about what the agreement might look like between the city and a host organization for something like that. What kind of offerings do we want to make and suggestions and what kinds of resilience activities might we suggest in exchange? So it continues to be very interesting. I'll add a couple other things that we've been talking about. One, through our last conversation and um, discussing potential sites. We also started noticing sites um, that are kind of near each other and if there's a potential for different organizations to kind of um, partner together in providing resilience hub services. Um, and we're also starting to have a broader conversation even like beyond resilience hubs, what would it look like to create resilience culture? What are some of the other activities around resi resilience that we could be thinking about? <clears throat> I think we're okay to move on. Okay. Moving on to unfinished and ongoing business. Well, this just really segues right into the working group discussion. I know that those of you who were involved with the commission last year may recall that we've had some ongoing efforts to uh, figure out how to make working groups really functional, both for you as participants and for us as city staff. Um, last year, we wrote out a list of working groups we intended to convene during the year, and we also um, included a list of community-based organizations that we were hoping that each of you could reach out to. Um, and we, you might recall we made the offer to reach out to a community group or participate in uh, committees. Um, and you'll see the next item we're going to discuss is the Climate Action Grant uh, Review Committee coming up again. 
This year, we'd like to continue that approach in form where we have, um, we're hoping to have about three working groups form during the year. What we would like to do is instead of presenting a list at the beginning of the year and having everybody sign up, one of the things we learned last year is that um, it would be a little better for us on our end to be able to be a bit more nimble. And what I mean by this is you might recall we blocked out the working groups based on like this group was going to meet during this time frame and then we'd have this one and then finally we'd have the next one. And by the time we got around to the insulation working group, um, we had, the staff had largely worked through the questions that we would have hoped to bring to that working group. So. We thought it would be better um, if we could, when we're getting ready to take on those projects, form a working group at that time based on who's available, who has an interest in it, and continue the conversation forward from there. Um, we know that we will be continuing the Resilience Hub working group for the foreseeable future. We should have one coming up pretty soon related to energy benchmarking. We hope to talk to you more about that in our next meeting, in fact. And then we want to leave the window open for a third working group as some other projects come down the pike later in the year. Um, the community-based organization outreach, we very much appreciate um, the work that you all did in helping connect us with those organizations. We thought this year, rather than have you sign up and continue to try to do that outreach, what might work a little better for us is just to have you identify which community-based organizations you have existing connections to so that when we need to reach out to those groups, we know to reach out to you individually as uh, commission members and say, hey, we're hoping to meet with student government, Lizzie, who might you know, as an example. Um, if this is acceptable to you, um, we can make that the plan going forward. If you have some questions, I'm happy to take them at this time. And if this just seems really offsides, we want to hear about that too, so we can tweak the plan early in the year rather than late. Any thoughts? I think it's a good approach for the community-based one. I was wondering if maybe as part of um, identifying, when we're identifying kind of our connections, it might be nice to have that uh, reminder list of the organizations who are in the kind of the quadrant mapping. I forget the name of it, but the. I guess from the equity report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, let me think about how to, how best to um, get that list to you. It's probably just pulling up that report again. Yeah, I think and it's just then... a graphic, maybe a diagram or something would be simple yeah. enough. Yeah, John. And if there is a group that you would like us connected to and no one has listed it as a network of theirs, uh, I would welcome at least being asked. And if I were available, I'd uh, jump on it. So John is going to do the lion's share of the work for our <laughs> community-based outreach. I didn't say that. I don't think. <laughs> Um, why don't we plan on this as a follow-up item to today's meeting. I'll plan on sending you that graphic that Matt referenced, and then if you could individually respond um, with the community-based organizations you feel comfortable reaching out to or feel you have some connection to, uh, that'd be great. And as a reminder, please um, use caution when hitting reply all. <laughs> Well, that brings us to um, our committee updates then. As we mentioned, we will uh, have 
continue to have these opportunities here and there to serve on a committee. Daniel is going to ask for volunteers today to help review climate action grants. We also anticipate um, when we get bids back in from the uh, fleet transition plan asking for a volunteer to work with us on that process. So there'll be other opportunities coming up later in the year for that as well. But in the moment, let's talk about climate action grants. So like Sarah mentioned, um, we will soon be asking for two volunteers to help review those applications. Um, the applications will go live um, uh, at the beginning of March. So. Uh, we ask for about an hour, hour and a half of your time um, sometime in um, early April once we get those applications in. And just um, um, for an example of, of projects, I'll list off the projects that are ongoing uh, this current fiscal year. Um, Field to Family um, received a grant to expand access to a plant-rich diet and local foods uh, by connecting local producers with underserved residents. Um, they are providing logistics and refrigerated um, storage space um, as part of that and recruiting uh, residents um, from the local neighborhood centers, the Center for Worker Justice, Open Heartland, the school district, LULAC, Iowa City Compassion, and UIY um, to recruit participants for that program. Uh, the Free Medical Clinic uh, partnered with the Downtown Rotary Club to install a rooftop um, photovoltaic solar array on their uh, building, um, offsetting the, the cost of that energy um, will directly um, allow them to uh, provide more services for their patients. So it's a great opportunity to, to um, pair an energy project with um, expanding um, the service of that nonprofit. Uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, received a grant for their Jane Hagedorn Women Build Electrification Initiative. Uh, this is a new, um, uh, new construction um, home um, where they were able to use grant funds to uh, put in an air source heat pump HVAC system, a heat pump water heater and um, insulation and air sealing above and beyond what Iowa Building Code would require. Uh, Horace Mann Elementary received a grant um, to um, install raised garden beds um, as an outdoor classroom to um, teach the students about uh, gardening and local foods, as well as um, providing um, the produce um, to the community. Um, in a similar project, uh, the Kirkwood Community College Sustainability Club received a grant to um, uh, build raised garden beds and uh, garden tables from urban lumber. Um, if you're not aware, um, the DNR has a pretty cool program to divert um, felled trees um, uh, from the community from the landfill instead um, um, making them available as a lumber resource through um, Habitat Restore, actually. So uh, those garden beds will become available. Um, some will be donated to CBOs, um, and then the rest will be um, sold at cost to Iowa City residents. Um, M68 Apartments, uh, which is an apartment complex on uh, Court Street on the east side of Iowa City, 
um, replaced their turf grass lawn with uh, native prairie planting. So it's, that's a really cool project. Um, um, not only will that, obviously, the growth of that help to sequester carbon in the soil, but they're also looking forward to reducing their um, lawn maintenance costs and the um, pollution associated with running those uh, small engines. Uh, Prairie Kitchen Store um, received a grant to perform an energy audit on their building, and they're implementing the recommendations of that audit as well, including needing a new thermostat and uh, one of my favorite pieces of equipment, a heat pump water heater. Uh, lastly, Public Space One um, received a grant for a project on their window repair and weatherization. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they have, um, they operated out of a couple of historic homes on Gilbert Street, and um, there are a number of restrictions on what can be done on the exterior of, of historic homes. Um, so since they cannot install brand new windows, they um, uh, took out their old windows, reglazed them, and uh, um, repaired them while um, offering some um, uh, workshops to teach the uh, community members um, how to do the same thing. So uh, some really cool projects. I think um, the commissioners that participated last year in picking those projects and scoring those applications uh, found it really rewarding. So um, think about uh, participating in that. I think we'll ask for volunteers at the next meeting. I just would like to say I was actually one of the commissioners last year scoring those grants, and it was really fun. And for the benefit of our newer members, the Climate Action Grant Program is designed to give grants up to $10,000 to area businesses and nonprofits looking to pursue projects that align with the Climate Action Plan. So one of the big things we ask for committee members is just to help us gauge how much in alignment it is, um, but then also to look for opportunities for scalability. Um, can, is this a project that could be replicated or used as a learning case for other uh, entities in the community? Um, and we also look for patterns in the applications. If we, uh, for example, last year we noticed that we were continuing to get grant applications from nonprofits to put solar on the rooftops of their facilities, which gave us an opportunity to step back and say, should we have a separate grant fund that's specifically just for nonprofits to do this? Um, and ultimately, in the course of that conversation, we discovered that there's a limited number of nonprofits that own their own facilities to be able to pursue it, but it still was a valuable uh, thought exercise for us to work through. So um, very rewarding projects to work on. I do have a question. What is the timeline for um, this? I guess, is it rolled out at a specific time during the year? Is it coming up? Yeah, so it um, aligns with our fiscal years. So um, the applications open in early uh, March. Uh, we score them and make the awards in early to mid-April. Um, but being on the fiscal year, um, we can't um, have any pro uh, projects start until July 1st. So it runs July 1st through um, the next June 30th. Uh, the solar ordinance update? 
Yeah, so also included in your agenda packet, um, we had the copy of the ordinance that was recently adopted by City Council updating our code to just make it a little easier to build solar arrays in Iowa City. I know this is something that was discussed last year um, a number of times. It, it flows out of the Johnson Clean Energy District report that was written. And I'll say it's a great example of something that was not necessarily on the docket for staff to work on until we received that report. So it's a great example of citizen activism leading to uh, adoption of something that hopefully will help forward solar in the community. It can be quite technical reading through it, so I wanted to carve out just a little time in today's meeting to walk you through some of the key provisions um, so that you can just know like what a victory this is, really, truly. Um, I know we've talked quite a bit about, <laughs> starting at the end, the provision that will preempt future homeowners associations from restricting solar development. And that actually is just a great discovery. One of the things that the report began looking at um, way back when JCD uh, began to pursue it was were there zoning restrictions that stood in the way of developing solar in Iowa City. And by and large, um, there weren't really huge zoning hurdles. In fact, our zoning allows for solar development as a by-right accessory use. Um, and that too, I know, can sound a little jargony, but what essentially that means is it's not treated like a, a building or a site plan where you may need to bring extensive plans to city staff to be reviewed and then have it go up before the planning and zoning board to be approved before you can build on it. Um, it's a simple administrative review to make sure it conforms with some basic mechanical requirements and then you can move forward. But this isn't always the case with homeowners associations, which often have provisions that prohibit folks from adopting solar. So as part of this ordinance um, update, we discovered that the state does allow cities to preempt the ability of homeowners associations to do so. And so now it is written into our code that any future homeowners association will not be able to restrict that kind of development. Um, and our hope is that this will inspire existing homeowners associations to uh, review those requirements as well. They're, of course, grandfathered in, um, so it's up to them to change their requirements, but uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll be inspired to change it. Um, some of the other provisions in here, you'll notice that there are references to uh, density bonuses. And essentially what density bonuses do, and one of the reasons I wanted to call this out as an important inclusion, is it says that in return for um, including solar in your site development plan, so in the case of multifamily uh, construction or commercial construction, if you cover 40% or more of your roof in uh, solar arrays, you can put more residential units in that area. Either you can put more units within the subdivision that you're platting or within the building you're building. And what's important about this is I know often in our discussions in the commission, we struggle with this question of how do we promote things like solar development without raising rents, right, or without creating housing that's unaffordable. And one of the ways we can do this is by increasing density, which allows the developers of those projects or the um, property owners of those multifamily units to have more people living on that property so that the rent and the cost gets shared out among them all. 
Um, so it's a really cool thing that's been put in here and it, it represents an incentive. So it goes on beyond eliminating a hurdle and actually is put out as a way to maybe inspire folks <laughs> to include solar in their site development plans. Um, you'll also note there were several things noted as exemptions in the code. Um, and what those exemptions basically do is clarify that solar arrays on the rooftops of buildings don't count toward the height limit of buildings. All, all cities limit the height that structures can be built to. It's generally built on uh, health and safety considerations, how tall um, is the tallest ladder from the fire station, for example. And what this does is recognize nobody's going to be living in those solar arrays, and so they're not subject to quite the same health and safety standard and it's okay to put the solar rays on your roof and not have it count against you for that development. Um, and then you'll also know there's an additional incentive and that is reducing parking. Um, it provides a provision for new development that puts solar on the roof, uh, again covering 40% or more of the rooftop, to reduce the number of required parking spaces associated with that development. Um, and so this is really, I think, of a, a twofer in this ordinance update where it's meeting a couple of our goals, right? It's include, uh, encouraging clean energy development and at the same time incentivizing the reduction of a single occupancy vehicles that might be on site, right? Encouraging more walking and biking and transit use is the ultimate hope in reducing parking requirements. But also um, it helps reduce the impervious surface associated with that development. So there's a little more land available to help with stormwater reduction or stormwater management, I should say. Um, those were the key things that I wanted to call out in this just to say how cool this really is. But um, if anybody in reading through it had any additional questions, I also wanted to leave a little time to be able to answer those as best I can. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, I forgot to say we should be mentioning our names when we <laughs> speak up. This is Ayn and Lynch. Um, is the with the parking regulation is that only for new construction or could an existing building reduce their parking lot i'd have to double check to be sure but usually the way this works is it applies to new construction and any property undergoing significant renovation so if you're making a significant enough change to your property it would trigger it Usually when you have a review of your parking counts, it's usually based on a change in use of the property, oftentimes as well. I mean, I should say one of the things I think that's not entirely clear in here is there are some areas of the city that do not have density regulations. Um, and so the density bonus does not count in those areas, but the parking reduction counts in all areas of the city. And in fact, if you're in an area that does have density regulation and parking regulation, the two can work together. So you could build a more dense structure with less parking. They don't cancel each other out or force you to choose between them. Um, and the other thing to notice for both of those that I should have said earlier is it doesn't just allow for a 10% reduction of the parking requirements or the density requirements, but also you can see if the builders um, 
embraced some other sustainability measures that were worked in here, including building to the most current edition of the International Energy Conservation Code. Um, they can get an additional bonus and they can stack them up up to a 25% bonus. So it's 10% for any one of them, or if you do all three, it's 25%. And what's really cool about that is you may recall um, the state has preempted our ability to require a buildings to build to a higher energy code, but we still have the ability to incentivize it, and this is one of the ways we're hoping to do so. So there's another item from the Climate Action Plan that got worked into this update. Good work. Thank you. <laughs> Any other questions or comments about solar ordinance? Okay, I guess we're ready for the recap. All right. Well, the next meeting is going to be held here again in Emma J. Havert Hall, also known as City Council Chambers, on Monday, March 6th from 3.30 to 5 p.m. And for the actionable items for the next meeting, I've written down that I'm going to send you that um, CBO list that was included in our equity and health report. Um, and just ask for you to respond individually by email as to which of those organizations you're connected with or would like to be connected with. Sounds good. Anything else? Just one, one comment, if I might. I always am concerned about our inability here in uh, the oasis we call Iowa City to require stricter codes than the rest of the state. And I, I worry about our inability to impact state politics. I'm, I'm still worried about it. But I'm kind of gleeful to hear that uh, we actually uh, increased meeting what the state had already achieved. And that's kind of rare, I think. And so whoever picked up on that, I really would like to congratulate them. And I'm wondering what else is out there that we haven't figured out yet that maybe state requirements exceed what we have. It's usually the other way around. And I don't know how you go about that. I'm always concerned about, I, I want everyone to do their part. And you know, I recycle a bottle, you know, that's great. But that's not a biggie. And so I'm worried about the biggies and solar's a biggie. So I, I really applaud this effort that's just been done and hope that we can follow up. And then the other comment is about um, scalability. And I hope that uh, you, you said that we're gonna follow up on these grants. I think it's really important to, f to recognize the ones that are really working so we can enhance those increase the momentum of those, again, to reach higher levels of, of success. And, you know, 100 different grants, each one, I'm, I'm being facetious, each, each grant saving a plant or planting a tree or, or recycling a bottle, it's, it's, it's the right idea and we should all be doing it. But I really am hungry for those, those big efforts that can gain momentum and really make a big difference in our carbon footprint. And so I, I look forward to uh, the opportunity to observe some of these, or at least get reports on how they're doing. And I hope none of the successes get lost. And I'm sure with you, 
and the other staff members, they won't be lost, but if it were up to me, I'd probably lose them. And so I, my caution is, gee, I hope we don't lose any success that couldn't be turned into bigger success. You know, that's actually a great reminder. Uh, Danny and I had the opportunity to tour the Habitat House that received our grant, and it was amazing. We went there with our ca cable staff to help develop um, a video that can be used to advertise our Climate Action Grant Program as we solicit new applications. But uh, we'll make it, I'll add it to the actionable items to see if we can bring a copy of that video for you to watch, similar to the way we subjected you all to the cool D video. Um, but um, it, it's, it's gonna be amazing. So we'll, we'll plan on bringing that along too. And, and I'll shut up in 30 seconds. The other thing that I talked about and thought about a lot way back in the beginning was uh, Iowa City being such a role model that every city in America would want to be like Iowa City. And so that's another reason to really stay on top of the scalability so that not only are, are we enhancing the momentum within our controllable area, but that people will pick up on it and uh, want to mimic Iowa City. Like we want to mimic, you name the city, uh, that are doing, the, the cities that are doing a, a really good job. Uh, I, I'm not sure we're in that role model uh, mode yet, but I, I would certainly like to think that people are looking at Iowa City as the direction to go. Like we look at Boulder and we look at Madison or we look at, you know, whatever. And uh, it's tough. It's tough to, to do it right. But the real challenge, is, you said it, scalability is maybe the biggest <laughs> word I heard in this room today, because that's what it's all about. Otherwise, we're still going to die. It'll just happen a little, a little more slowly. I'd, I'd, like to, <laughs> I'd like to prevent the death and not just slow it down. <laughs> And on that cheery note. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one, quick, you, question. Yeah, one, yeah. one quick question about the, um, the ordinance, the zoning updates. Did they take effect immediately once council signed, or is it a timeline? Yeah, they're effective okay. immediately. It's the law of the land Great, as we you. sit here. Uh, this is Sturdivant. I did have a question for the grants. Uh, John kind of brought it up. Is there like any follow-up that's done to see like comparatively changes between receiving the grant and you know six months later? Um, yes, they are required to provide reports. There's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, there's a mid-year report and a closeout report. That's correct. And then uh, we usually put them on camera <laughs> to talk about what they've done. So, And we tend to keep track of the, particularly the very successful grants to see how they're going and how we might replicate them. Great, thank you. Do, do we? Actually, I'll say, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, do we see the, do the reports get included in a packet ever, or is there, do we get to see those? Um, they haven't been. We could take a look into the possibility of doing that. Um, I think it comes down to whether some, some of the reporting requirements are proprietary, but I don't, don't think they have been. We'll take a look and we'll see. But I'll say like one of, the, one of the things that warmed my heart the most last year is I was talking to a representative from the bike library who had received a climate action grant for us to put in uh, energy efficiency improvements. And she said to me, you know, I never cared about energy efficiency before um, interacting with this grant. And now I talk about it all the time with people I know about. 
you know, taking steps to increase the energy efficiency of their home and their business. And I thought, what a victory that is. I, I have a, this is Michelle Selman and I have a question. Um, I was wondering if we get, um, you know, I appreciated that marketing plan that you sent out. And I was wondering if we get um, like updates or, um, you know, results, you know, like periodic um, reports on how, you know, the metrics or whatever, or how the campaigns are performing. Uh, we actually hope to have a metrics report to you next month. On top of, I mean, we also get the updates, what is it, every couple of months? Yeah, we have quarterly updates on all the climate action um, plan initiatives and where we're at with them. Um, in fact, the metrics report that we're preparing is sort of meant to summarize that and present it in a more readable form for folks in the community who may not have the time that you all have dedicated to comb through spreadsheets, um, but to provide some high-level points and that show the direction we're trying to move in. Any last comments or questions? Um, then I'll look for a motion to adjourn. I motion to adjourn. This is Krieger. Grim, second. We yes, that we did have that. Uh, that's early on in our agenda. And are we allowed I to? Talk to a couple of you individually okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure it's not come up before, but if, if that's acceptable to you, John, then we yes. can handle it that way. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, anyway, I'm John McAtee. I'm a retired physician here in Iowa City. We've been here since 2007. Is the mic, mic work? Should I repeat anything? No, we got that. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> anyway. Um, and just so you're aware, John, there's a three-minute limit. Three minutes, got it. Anyway, because I'm cutting the chase. And um, on the presses and editorial board, we're going to be writing some op-eds about the uh, really excellent uh, climate action adaptation plan and, you know, encouraging people to do more to get behind it. Anyway, a couple questions. We have two rental condos in the peninsula development. And, uh, you know, it's all big HOA uh, project with the city. And uh, it's really good news to hear that <clears throat> the codes you described um, would allow solar in HOAs. And I'd like to talk to someone after whenever about how, you know, I can help make that happen. We, um, our two condos are in a 27-unit building. Also, just finishing up, it would be great to have uh, table scraps collections just at our home, and, you know, that could be another, you know, it's related. And not to mention electrification from captured methane. And then uh, charging stations. It would be great to have EV charging stations in that building. So, <coughs> anyway, some of you can help me out after who to talk to. Thanks.
Thanks for the comment. And just um, just as a reminder, I probably we would want to go ahead and read the statement about public comment just for the benefit of all of us that, and an explanation why we can't comment on any of that. I will read it. <laughs> Members of the public who would like to speak regarding items not on the agenda are each welcome to address the commission for up to three minutes. Due to public meeting laws, we commissioners cannot engage in discussion or take any action on an item not already listed in the agenda. That means we can listen to your comments but not comment on or discuss them at this time. Any topic you bring up will be considered for inclusion in a future agenda for a more full discussion. Thank you. I think we already have a motion and a second to adjourn. Shall we adjourn? All those Aye. in favor? <laughs> Aye. Aye. <laughs> Thanks one and all. <laughs> <laughs>